0: Good morning, everyone. Um, so we're uh, sharing from Psalm 50 this morning. wanted to start off with verses 1 and 2 as it gives us a picture of God and a description of who He is. Verse 1, He is the Mighty One. He speaks and summons the earth. And it begins with this picture of a mighty God who has the power to summon the earth. He has power and dominion over creation. He speaks and then things happen. And so I was reminded of Genesis 1 again when God spoke and creation uh, was created. Uh, In verse two, it says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. I was really encouraged that out of Zion, in other words, his people, God will shine forth. And I found great comfort in this because when we think about the people of God, it's kind of complex. There are pictures of incredible faithfulness to God, and then there are also pictures of unfaithfulness, waywardness, and rebellion against him. So it's messy. And um, it's very much uh, indicative of our of our own lives, and yet God says that out of Zion, God shines forth. And so I was so thankful reading this because in my life, so much um, I'm so much like the Israelites, complex and full of pictures of faithfulness, in the midst in the midst of so much unfaithfulness, rebellion, and sin. But God says that He will shine forth in my life. So for those of us going through some purifying times hold on to this promise that as we struggle and continue to repent, God will shine forth in our lives. And then in verse uh, four, it says that he may judge his people. In verse six, it says that heaven declares his righteousness for God himself is judge. Uh, One characteristic of God is that he judges people. Um, I think if we're not careful, it's easy to overlook this aspect of who God is because it's something that makes us uncomfortable. But the Bible is clear that God is our judge and that he will judge his people. So there is an objective standard for my life and I will be judged by that.
1: You also made a note of that point, (laughs) noting that um, who God starts off judgment with, and it's not uh, for those outside, but those who are his people. He says, gather my faithful ones. O Israel I will testify against you I am God your God uh, if he is the God of anyone it's the God of his own people and he will deal with them first he will deal with us us first um, I was reminded of first Peter 417 for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God and so he does this first with his people because he wants to purify and cleanse him that's his goal so he deals uh, with us first
0: and when god judges the people of god he says that he will testify against his own people not for lack of sacrifices and burnt offerings Uh, god says that they are continually uh, that he has sacrifices and burnt offerings continually before him but rather god testifies against them for as it says in verse 16 reciting god's statutes taking his covenant on his lips while as it says in verse 17 they hate discipline and cast god's word behind them and how is it that they hated discipline and cast God's word behind them? I think in verse uh, verse 18 to 20, um, in verse 18 it says, if you see a thief, you are pleased with him, you keep company with adulterers. Verse 19, give your mouth free reign for evil, tongue frames deceit. In verse 20, sit and speak against your brother, slander your own mother's son. So though God's people were bringing sacrifices and burnt offerings, which one would think um, demonstrates their obedience to God's law and desire to please him, what they did actually gave evidence to something else that was going on in their hearts. Um, verse 18, if you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you uh, keep company with adulterers. In other words, instead of having spiritual sensitivity to expose and deal with sins like stealing and adultery, these people are actually pleased with people who are sinning. Verse 19, if you give your mouth free rein for evil and your tongue frames deceit, So what comes out of our mouth is evil and deceit, or verse 20, sit and speak against your brother and slander your own mother's son. Uh, Regardless of what kind of sacrifices and offerings we bring to the Lord, uh, they don't mean anything um, to the Lord if we are finding pleasure among those who sin, allowing evil and deceit to come out of our mouths, or speaking against our brother. And I felt really challenged by this because in some ways it's so easy to do things for God. Give up my time, my money, my energies. But the true test is do I find pleasure amongst others who sin? Um, I don't think any of us would say that I find pleasure in people who sin. But I think it works itself out more like this in that we would rather be comfortable and not deal with sin in our brothers and sisters lives. I'd rather just keep company with them, I'd rather just stay comfortable, instead of holding my fellow brothers and sisters to a holy standard. Or maybe what comes out of my mouth is deceit to cover up, to make myself look a little better, a little less lame, or less sinful. Or my speech is against my fellow brothers and sisters. Maybe we don't um, audibly verbalize it, but if we were to have our thoughts broadcasted, how many negative thoughts or slander of another would would be going on in our minds? And so God says this is what he sees and not the outward deeds of sacrifice and burnt offerings that we can bring.
1: Going back a few verses to uh, 14 and 15, I think it's like the turn in this passage because it says how we should be. Uh, First one talking about having a thankful heart, and second part about obedience and trust, and that's kind of similar to verse 23 at the end. The one who offers thanksgiving and uh, who orders his way rightly. So thought about a thankful heart, why that's important or significant, because you're not uh, continuing to grasp for more, and you can be content with all the things that God has given to you. So instead of the focus being on all the things that you don't have, you're able to see all that you do have, uh, and to be thankful. And then obedience and trust, because you're gonna find that there's gonna be a lot of things in life that you might not ever get, things you wished for and hoped for, but in the midst of that, will you trust? Will you keep obeying him regardless of that? And can you do this for the next decade, the next 30 or 40 years of your life? There is just something to be said about the one who perseveres. Remember the people of faith who held on to God even though they didn't get what was promised. It's no wonder then uh, that such a person who lives like this will see the salvation of God because they're being God-focused and not focused on what they lack or what they're not getting.